in three, in two, in one. Hi everybody, Tim Anderson here, the Appraiser's Advocate, and we call this podcast, Does My Neighborhood Really Need to Be Analyzed? Part of what an appraiser looks at practically every day is the Fannie Mae Selling Guide. Note that the Fannie Mae Selling Guide doesn't affect us directly. The Fannie Mae Selling Guide has nothing to do with selling either, at least selling a real estate. The selling part of the selling guide has to do with selling mortgages to Fannie Mae. And basically, the selling guide is the underwriting standard that lenders who want to sell their paper to Fannie Mae must meet in order to sell the paper to Fannie successfully. So what happens is the lender has to comply with the selling guide. Now, part of the selling guide has to do with us as appraisers, but we don't answer to Fannie Mae. We answer to Fannie Mae through the lender. Therefore, the lender is responsible for making sure the appraisal meets Fannie Mae guidelines. That's why we have reviews. So what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about the Fannie Mae selling guide, but only one of the relevant parts. And that relevant part is neighborhood analysis. And we're going to break that down in this podcast and successive podcasts. So the Fannie Mae selling guide is for lenders. It's not for appraisers, but we need to know the relevant part of it and we need to know it well. That relevant part is section B. Four, don't worry about B1, B2, B3, B5, etc. Now, the Fannie Mae Selling Guide's got like, I don't know, 1,200 pages, 1,800 pages. We do, however, need to be familiar with Section B4, and specifically Section B4-1.3-2. Zero, 03. Let me repeat that in case you want to write it down. Section B4 1.3-03. This is the part of the selling guide that interests us most. Specifically, this is called the neighborhood section of the appraisal report. In this podcast, we're going to cover neighborhood analysis. In this part of the Fannie Mae Selling Guide, the, the neighborhood section of the appraisal report, that's its title, we're going to look at seven areas of interest, although not specifically in this podcast. Just be aware that those seven are present. Now, over time, we will cover all seven of those, just not here, just not now. What we're going to talk about specifically, however, is we're going to talk about five factors of neighborhood analysis so that we're familiar with what's in them, what constitutes this section, and most specifically, what Fannie Mae expects of the appraiser in this particular section. So, we're going to talk about neighborhood boundaries. We're going to talk about neighborhood characteristics. We're going to talk about the factors affecting the neighborhood. We're going to talk about three steps in neighborhood analysis. And we're going to spend some time on the influences of market forces within that particular neighborhood. Now, just as a side note, understand that USPAP does not use the word neighborhood. USPAP stopped using that term back in 06, I think it was, because of its racial connotations. 
okay, Usepap gets to do what it wants to do, and Fannie Mae does what Fannie Mae wants to do. Fannie Mae still uses the term neighborhood. A neighborhood is defined as an area of complementary land uses. In other words, you start with, let's say, your basic house. Well, a complementary land use is going to be other basic houses. It's also going to be the proper number and quality and width of roads. It's also going to be the quality and quantity of infrastructure. In other words, is there water sewer or water service? Is there sewer service? Is there electrical service, high-speed internet service, etc.? It has to do with the fact that the subject residence is within an acceptable distance from shopping, recreation, uh, religious worship, so on and so forth. Those are called linkages. Another big one is schools. Another big linkage is the subject within a school district popular with the market or one the market demands. So as we look at an overview of neighborhood analysis, here's what we're looking for. What are its characteristics and trends that influence value, especially residential value? Obviously, those influences affect commercial value too, but that's not our interest in this podcast. So Fannie Mae wants to know, what those trends are. Now remember, trend is not only a photograph, which is basically what an appraisal is. It's a photograph literally in one instance in time. But Fannie Mae wants us to discern trends from the information that we got so we could take that photograph. Of course, a trend is a projection into the future. Now, Appraisers can't predict the future. Nobody particularly debates that. But we can look at the past and basically say, if what happened in the past is any indication of what's going to happen in the future, the trends in the neighborhood indicate X, Y, and Z. Fannie Mae expects us to tell her how those trends will affect value in the neighborhood. In other words, it's very common for appraisers to say, no, the land use in the neighborhood is not changing, and then stop there. What Fannie Mae is asking us to say is, no, the land uses in the neighborhood are not changing. Here's why, and here's what this will indicate for the future. Fannie Mae wants to know why those influences affect value, as we just covered in that question that I asked. And this is the big one. This is the one most appraisers miss most of the time. This is the one that reviewers climb on most of the time. This is the one state investigators climb on most of the time. And that is that Fannie Mae wants to know these trends, etc., so she can understand the risk in the neighborhood. Now, very rightly, you ask, the risk of what? Well, the answer is straightforward. Is investing in mortgages in this particular neighborhood risky? Now, let's face it, all investments have a risk component. So Fannie wants to know if investing in mortgages in this neighborhood is unnecessarily or unduly risky. That does not mean Fannie will not make the mortgage by any means. Fannie will. That's its portfolio. That's what it must do under the law. However, what happens is 
Fannie Mae understands that for riskier loans, riskier loan portfolios, it will sell those to investors at a greater discount than it would otherwise. So part of what Fannie Mae asks us is, please, will you tell us the risks in the neighborhood so we'll understand how much discount, if any, over what we normally offer, we have to sell these loans at in order to make investors buy them to keep the cash flowing? So we appraisers telling Fannie Mae the risks in the neighborhood is one of the main reasons for an appraisal. Fannie Mae more or less already knows what the property is worth through its own algorithms and internal data. They know this within a reasonable window of of error. So they want to know more, however, about the risk factors in the neighborhood. In addition, Fannie Mae does not want us to judge the neighborhood. Now, you say, what in the world does that mean? Well, let me give you an example. How many times have you written an appraisal? How many times have you read an appraisal in which you saw this sentence? The subject is in a good neighborhood. Probably more than once, right? You've probably got some of those in your files, right? That's judging the neighborhood, which Fannie Mae specifically does not want, if for no other reason than what is a good neighborhood. To say the subject is in a good neighborhood doesn't mean anything, because there's no definition of a good neighborhood. Rather, you might want to say, the subject is in a neighborhood, the market continues to demand, and here are the reasons that demand continues. That's a far better replacement, and it doesn't judge the neighborhood, which Fannie specifically says, please don't do. Now, the neighborhood analysis identifies the area, the neighborhood, that is subject to the same influences as is the subject property in the light and context of typical buyers. Now, let's consider the ramifications of this. When we identify in the neighborhood analysis whatever it is that influences the subject, What we're saying is those influences are built into the sales price of the comps, assuming the comps are from the same neighborhood. Now, you say, Tim, Fanny doesn't have any trouble if I go outside the subject's neighborhood for comparables. That's true. She doesn't. She knows that sometimes that's just inevitable. What Fanny is saying, however, is Mr. Appraiser, Ms. Appraiser, If you choose to go outside of the subject neighborhood, which you delineate, fine, go outside of the neighborhood, but then you have to analyze the influences on value outside of the subject's neighborhood to see if they're the same influences of value within the boundaries of the subject's neighborhood. If they are, fine, you don't have to adjust for them. If they're not, however, then you have to adjust for the differences in value those influences affect. Otherwise, what we end up with is an apples to oranges comparison. The neighborhood analysis is important because it tells Fannie Mae what influences value, marketability, etc. in the subject's neighborhood. Therefore, we, the appraiser, have to look for those same influences in comparable neighborhoods. If those influences are the same in the comparable neighborhoods, we don't have to adjust for them. If they're not, we have to adjust for them. Fannie Mae makes it very clear that it's up to us to delineate the subject's neighborhood boundaries. 
Now, it also says, hello, appraiser, you determine the subject's neighborhood boundaries. You delineate the subject's neighborhood basically by inspecting it. That can mean driving through it. That can mean bicycling through it. That can mean walking through it. That can mean living in it. But somehow, the appraiser has to become familiar with the subject's neighborhood boundaries, not merely by looking on a map, but by putting boots on the ground to determine what the neighborhood boundaries are, which we do by determining where what influences the subject stops influencing the subject. That's where the neighborhood boundaries are. Those boundaries are our judgment call. Now, within the neighborhood analysis, Fannie Mae is basically looking for an analysis of three factors. It's basically looking for a description, a narrative, as it were, concerning the three factors, the three forces in a neighborhood that tend to affect value. And we're going to go through those three forces. They are economic forces, governmental forces, and environmental forces. Now, as we get into this discussion, you're going to see that in many cases, those forces overlap. Consider, for example, economic forces. Now, Fannie Mae uses two specific examples. It says economic forces are vacant or boarded-up properties and the level of essential support services. Now, let's talk about this. Just because a property is vacant or boarded up is not an indication of a positive or negative. It's merely an indication of reality. For example, there are many places in the United States in which there are summer seasons or winter seasons. Outside of those seasons, properties may sit vacant. They may, they may sit vacant nine months a year. That doesn't mean they're vacant. It just means nobody, nobody's living there. So if you appraise in an area that has a seasonality factor, you have to account for that. Just because a property is vacant doesn't mean it's vacant. It's vacant because nobody's living there. Why is nobody living there? Is nobody living there because nobody wants to live in that neighborhood? Or because it's a seasonal neighborhood and this isn't the season when people live there? The same for boarded up properties. Now, obviously, properties boarded up can indicate decay. It can also indicate that there's been fire damage and there is going to be renovation, raising properties to start all over again, repairs, etc., it can indicate that somebody has bought a property, is gutting the inside to put up whatever it is they're going to put up, and the owners, developers, don't want anybody yet to know what's going on inside. So just because a property is vacant or boarded up is not a negative indication. But see, it's up to the appraiser to analyze that. And remember, an AVM can't do that. Only an appraiser can do that. Only somebody who puts boots on the ground in the neighborhood can do that. So that's an advantage that we have. Now, Fannie Mae's second example of economic forces is the level of essential support services. Basically, that means water, sewer, electrical, telephone, internet. It also means fire, police, ambulance, uh, trash pickup, garbage pickup etc., etc., etc. Now, just because an area does not have a high level of essential support services is not negative. For example, in the western United States, 
There are many areas of large, expensive, custom-built homes on huge lots, 10, 20, 40 acres, with a very low level of essential support services because it's just too expensive to extend those support services to those heavily rural areas. Now, you won't find water. You won't find sewer. You may have to deal with a natural gas tank buried in the backyard. Chances are you've got proper internet access. That, that's all fine. But you don't have the water. You don't have the, uh, the sewer. You don't have a whole bunch of libraries. You don't have a whole bunch of hospitals. But see, the point is, when people buy in those heavily rural areas, they already know that. So you don't have to account for it because their absence is already built into the comparable sales prices. The next force is governmental force or governmental influence that can have to do with zoning, laws governing businesses, and laws governing taxes. Now, for example, we all know that zoning affects use. Zoning is a major component of the highest and best use part of real estate appraisal, so we have to understand zoning. Now, does zoning permit single-family houses? Does it permit single-family houses with mother-in-law apartments? Does it permit single-family houses with a rental unit in the back? Does it permit single-family houses with a rental unit in the back? And you can operate a business out of the house as well. All of those come into zoning. That's why the appraiser has to understand zoning more than merely what the zoning code or zoning classification is. Laws governing business. It's interesting in uh, the city of uh, Lake Tahoe, part of it's in Nevada, part of it's in California. The part in Nevada has gambling. The part in California doesn't. So literally across the street, because, because it's the, uh, the boundary line between those two states, that particular street on the uh, east side, Nevada, has gambling. And literally across the street on the west side in California, there is no gambling. So you have to understand the laws to understand what businesses can go in there. And let's face it, businesses don't go where there aren't rooftops. So you have a lot of rooftops, you have a lot of businesses. What are the laws governing the, those businesses? Let's face it, in a downtown area, you're going to have banks and retail shops and restaurants and stuff like that. You're not going to have pig rendering plants. You're not going to have heavy industrial plants, etc. So while that's basically zoning, those are still laws that govern businesses in that particular town in California slash Nevada. On one side of the street, you can have gambling businesses, and on the other side of the street, you can't. Now, the third governmental influence, the third governmental force is taxes. Obviously, when we buy property, we tend to buy it in the fee-simple estate. That doesn't mean we can do anything with it we want to. It means we can do anything with it we want to within the boundaries of the law. And one of those laws is there will be taxes applied. So as a result, we look at the taxes not only as they are, but as they have been. And then we call the Office of Finance up at the local town and say, hi, anybody planning any tax increases anytime soon? So that tells us the level of taxes past, present, and future. Now, the third force that we're going to worry about today, the third influence that we're going to worry about today are those of environmental forces. And specifically, Fanny points to two, hazardous waste sites and proximity to an airport. 
Now, these do not mean necessarily a negative. Typically they do, but they don't have to. For example, relatively few of us will ever deal with a designated hazardous waste site. However, we might deal with a residential property close to a gas station. Gas stations that have been built in the last 15 years really don't have that much of a problem with leakage. However, older gas stations that have not yet been renovated do because they put in steel tanks and steel tanks eventually rust and wear out and the gas leaks out. Well, that can be anywhere from a minor bother to devastating because the gas leaks out, gas is lighter than water, so the natural water in the ground tends to push the gas up toward the surface and then the gas plumes. In other words, the movement of water through the ground carries the gasoline to various places. And if it contaminates other properties in the area, that can be, well, that can be awful, frankly, because the entity who owns the gas station that's leaking gas can be responsible for the remediation, not only of the gas station site, but all the sites around it that have been contaminated. So just because you're not near a hazardous waste site, doesn't mean there isn't a contamination factor to consider. Now you say, Tim, where do I get those data? Basically, you can call the county or the municipality, usually the county, and they'll have some information on gas stations and uh, what are called surveys. And it doesn't mean that survey is we tend to think of it, but it's been investigated to see if there is any gas leakage and how much, etc. Then finally, proximity to an airport in and of itself is not necessarily a negative. For example, you live next to O'Hare Airport in Chicago, that may be a negative. But then remember, the influence of the airport is already going to be built into the sales that are next to the airport. In many parts of the country, there are private airports around which are built huge, expensive, custom-built homes, some that are capable of handling jets. So as a result, people go in and spend millions of dollars on a house, on a big site, so they can park their jet in the garage. Most people park cars in the garage. Well, these houses, which tend to be very expensive, custom-built, beautiful homes, have a jet in the garage. Well, proximity to that airport is not only not a problem, it adds a premium to value to those who want to be able to park their airplane in the garage next to the house. That is all we're going to talk about in this particular podcast. We'll talk about other neighborhood stuff in future podcasts. But the point I'm trying to make here is Fannie Mae is looking, number one, for an analysis of all of these factors, and number two, for us to tell her what the risk factors are in the neighborhood. Now, Fannie Mae judges the risk via her own criteria. But she can't judge those risks unless she knows what they are. That's our job. Just so you'll know, and this is the shameless commerce part of the podcast, if you go to my website, tim at theappraisersadvocate.com, which is my email address, by the way. But if you go to my website, theappraisersadvocate.com, front slash products, I have a book there that will help you understand what Fannie Mae requires of the neighborhood analysis. I hope you'll take a look at it, and quite frankly, I hope you'll buy it. Now, I want to thank you for being with me today. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. It's always a pleasure to work with you. Again, 
My email address is tim at theappraisersadvocate.com. Get in touch with me if you have any questions on what we've talked about today. Get in touch with me if you have any questions about uh, what's in the book on neighborhood analysis. If you get that letter from your state appraisal board, get in touch with me. I can help you with that too. Again, Tim at theappraisersadvocate.com. It's an honor to be with you. It's an honor to be a fellow appraiser. Thank you very much. My best to you. My best to your family. Thank you. We're clear.